1: G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au.
0: T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Okay, overnight crowders. We are now going to turn our attention to the AFLW. We've got... um the, the expansion window closing, the trade window opening, confusion as to which rules exist for which. Well, maybe that's inside, just inside my brain. But to help us clear it up and to look at what is happening, Alex Catalano from the Inner Sanctum has been good enough to join us here again on the Overnight Crowd. G'day, Alex.
1: G'day, Jen. Yeah, all the clubs have, uh, yeah, as of today, I think it was 2 p.m. deadline, uh, Eastern Standard Time. Uh, everybody uh, had to file their paperwork in by and a couple of last-minute um, moves made through, but I think it's yeah. Most of them have about twelve or thirteen players on their list now, and Sydney have got about twenty odd. So they're they're definitely leading the way, um, and they haven't had to pay a single cent for any of them yet.
0: That's incredible. So what's what's the difference? The expansion signing window versus the trade window? Can you clear up what the difference is?
1: Yeah. So the expansion signing window is essentially uh, the teams being able to sign players from either elsewhere or as open age selections from uh state league teams or from their academies things like that without having to give up a draft pick or do any trades so um as we only learned basically last week when it was officially uh put down on paper Uh, All of the the top six teams could lose up to four players to expansion signs without getting any compensation, and the bottom eight teams could lose up to three. So we've seen uh, in the case of Gold Coast today, there was a trade announced at Port looking at Kate Sermon, uh, but they do have to make a trade with the Suns because the Suns have already lost three players uh, to expansion signings, those being uh, Sarah Perkins, Janet Baird, and I'll have to sign the last one. I can't remember the last uh, one was. Hannah done as well, yes, to Port. Um, so three already uh, gone through, and then they have to trade for seven. So essentially, I think it's a way of making sure that teams just can't get absolutely pillaged. Uh, they do actually have to get something in return um, while making sure that the the bottom eight teams get a little bit more protected than the top six teams. But looking at some of the players that they've lost, uh, definitely a few teams have copped it worse than others already.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I was just running my eye over the list, which people can do so at womens.afl. You'll be able to see the latest AFLW list changes. Um, GWS, I've got seven l- names for them uh, um, listed. St Kilda, I think it was eight. Obviously some people stepping away and, and delisted and stuff like that. And Western Bulldogs, six go on from their teams from last year. So those three sides, just from me glancing over it, they've got a lot of changes.
1: Yeah, the Giants, I mean, I think we probably all expected the Giants overall to be one of the teams that were going to suffer, given that they had the Swans coming in, obviously being the only team in New South Wales for the first six seasons of the competition, uh, they were always going to get a little bit rated, And you could say the same for Adelaide, but arguably the Giants have suffered a lot more than Adelaide have given, not only the, the players that have left, but the nature of where they were on the ladder as well. Uh, the Giants obviously struggling a little bit more than the Crows, who just won their third flag, and have mm-hmm. always been a powerhouse of the AFLW competition. But yeah, I think they're probably one of the clubs that have come off the worst from this um obviously a few names that they really would have wanted to keep around. Rebecca Privatelli, Ellie Morfitt, probably two that really stand out to me, uh, exiting the club. Privatelli obviously didn't quite capture the form that she had in twenty twenty this year, but was an important part of their forward line, and especially with Cora Staunton, uh not getting any younger. But I say that, but she still plays like she's a 25-year-old. Yeah. Um, she she probably could have used that extra support. And Ali Morphet, one of the the really young, talented rucks of the competition, both across to the Swans. So I have to say, of anyone, the Giants are probably looking in one of the worst uh, conditions coming into 2022, part two of all the the current teams in the competition.
0: Yeah. It looks a bit brutal, and I think Western Bulldogs uh, losing the likes of Bonnie Too Good and Izzy Huntington going is going to hurt them and and several other names. But the other, just as I looked a bit further, Collingwood also have six changes and Fremantle as well, six changes, which is probably one that surprised me the most. When you look at a a side that seemed to travel through last year pretty well, I think I thought they would keep their majority together. But, yeah, six changes for Frio listed as well.
1: Yeah, well, Freo, I think especially when you've got two well and truly best 22 players and Steph Kane and Gemma Houghton both making their way out, uh, that will be a bit of a change, I think, (laughs) for the the structure in the the forward line and along the wings. Uh, I think they should be okay, especially with the the Antonios sticking around uh, through that midfield and sort of half-forward area. But, yeah, the the third, I I think, yeah, the last two years, um, they've lost now three of their, their best ever goal kickers in their history, the Dockers. So um, I was a bit iffy on how they were going to do it this year and they managed to to do it. But without Houghton as well in the forward line, I think it makes things a little bit harder for them. Um, but, you know, they might prove me wrong. Amy Franklin might become a 20-goal a goal kicker in uh, this season and might explode out of the blocks. You never know. Mm. Um, but I think a, a team that's got an even more dire situation in the forward line, like we mentioned, the Bulldogs, um, losing their two first choices in Izzy Huntington and Bonnie Togood. Um plus Brooke Lachlan making her way out as well to the Swans. Uh, that is basically the majority of their first choice forward line gone. Uh, and not only that, but in terms of their tall stocks, Elise Gamble leaving as well to join the Bombers. Um, so they're looking a little bit thinner down in the back line too. It really points to I think what is going to be a hard, hard year for the Bulldogs and that, you know, they've lost players before but they've managed to slowly build a core back together, but now their their spine of the team has really, really been damaged, uh, with these players departing. So, you know, important positions to fill for them, Jen, with this upcoming uh draft and Tall players don't grow on trees. You've got to really build them up. And you look at a player like Nell morris Dalton, who this year she's finally really starting to break out, but it took her two or three seasons to really get to that point. So it's going to be a slow and painful build, I think, for the doggies uh, for probably the next three or four years.
0: Um, How long away do you think AFLW is from the draft being a genuine national draft and and players going to... The, the bottom place, you know, number one goes to the bottom place side the next year, that sort of situation we see in the men's?
1: Well, I think with that aim that the AFL currently has to to professionalise the competition fully by 2026, I think maybe that would be the time for it, given that you'd hope players' wages will be enough that they can support themselves with a move into state and they don't have to worry about, you know, finding a new job elsewhere um they can actually just not have to worry about their financial security and just uh move across the country if they really need to. So I think that should probably be the aim. Um obviously it's it'll be really good for teams like GWS and teams like West Coast who seem to be struggling with the the pools of talent they've got available to them just in their state, especially now that the Swans have picked off a lot of their really good ones, and West Coast seem to struggle to attract anyone in from elsewhere, and even are also going to be still losing a few players in this upcoming off-season as well. So, um, I think yeah, four years is probably the time frame we should be looking at. I think any earlier than that, and it still might be a bit harder. We'll still probably see those cases like you know the likes of Charlie Robottom, who was keen to move up to Queensland, but it will I think will still be a rare thing until. Yeah, 2026 20, or so.
0: Okay, that makes sense. Now, uh, you do very well every time we chat to stay very neutral and uh, stay away from getting <laughs> excited about Essendon. But here's your moment. How's Essendon look at <laughs> least looking now that things can actually be confirmed?
1: Yeah, I think the Bombers have done really, really well. I don't want to say they've done the best out of all the expansion sides. It's very, very hard to to call at the moment because none of these teams have played a game together yet. But I think of the four of them, I'd put the Bombers in the, the top half of, of those teams. Um, they've really built a, a forward line, which I would argue is probably one of the areas in the... AFLW that you should be looking at the most given that we've only got so many players that are kicking multiple goals a game and the Bombers have brought in a number of players that are really capable of that um, I really am excited to see how the likes of Sophie Alexander, Bonnie Too Good, Caitlin Sargent line up as talls with the likes of Federica Fru and, and Georgia G at ground level um, it is a really exciting prospect for, for Bombers fans but um, I think obviously the, the defence still needs a bit of work getting Gamble in is great Um, Danny Marshall, obviously she's had a fantastic year in the VFLW, so two really good prospects in there, but uh, Gamble's been probably a depth player throughout uh, the past year or two at the Dogs, and Marshall obviously getting delisted a couple of years ago as well, so players are still in to prove themselves as key defenders, uh, and still got the list to build around them at ground level in there as well, so I think offensively, Bombers are looking very, very strong, and fans should be happy, but... In terms of all-round list building, uh, I think the Swans would be just, just ahead, simply because they've built basically two-thirds of their list without giving up a draft pick or anything similar, uh, which is great for them. They've looked to their academy, um, they've looked to the players that they've already... Um, you know, done a bit of development in as well as getting players from elsewhere that maybe have been overlooked a little bit but really have a lot to offer. I think they've built up a fair bit of depth in their midfield group already which is also going to be really important so um, umming and ahhing back and forth between the Swans and Essendon as to who's looking like a better list but they're both well poised to challenge from, from round one this year.
0: Oh, look, you've done well there. Even with full permission to go only Essendon Bombers, you've <laughs> managed to neutralise it and, and give a shout out to the Swans. Now, I'll let you continue a little bit of a moment on the Bombers because I'm interested in your thoughts before we let you go on Essendon announcing that they're going to do a full-scale review after the horror first half that is season 2022 for the men.
1: Yeah, look, it's been an interesting start to the season. Um, obviously, after last year's top eight, finished, no one was expecting that the Bombers to probably drop off quite as dramatically as they have. Uh, it's almost convinced me that <laughs> all predictions should be made at least a year after I predicted the Bombers in the bottom four last year, uh, and now they're, that's coming to light. So every time I think of something I'm just going to hold it back a year and then it will come true, because the same could be said of the likes of St Kilda and Frio moving up into the top four as well. But um, look, it's, it's something that's happened before. The Bombers obviously Um, since the the end of the supplement saga and the players getting banned and that kind of thing, there's been a lot of movement across the club. Um, I think at the moment it probably is more on field than anything else Um, in the past. It's been, you know, moving staff around and trying to make sure that as many people that were involved in that um, whole time in the club were either moved along or, you know, had obviously been looked at and, um, it's it's a hard time to to look at what's going on on field because there are a lot of players not available and that kind of thing as well. When you look at how long the year's been played without the likes of Jake Stringer and Will Snelling and Harry Jones have just come back in this week, Michael Hurley still of unavailable and Anthony McDonald's and Woody retiring. Um, it's been quite rocky on field for the Bombers and they've also had the toughest fixture of anyone really in the first half of the year. So um, I think it's something that is probably needed. Uh, and given the the start to the year and how they've gone away from what the game plan looked like a lot in times last season, uh, it's one that is well needed for mine. But uh, I don't think it should be too dramatic in terms of the, the list itself. Maybe a few players need to look at um, their future. And in the football department, I'm not sure where if there's a coaching breakdown somewhere along the lines, it seems like Ben Mm -hmm. Rutten's got a really strong assistant coaching panel around him. So I'm not quite sure. I'd like to know things like why the likes of um, Alex Rance, who came on as a development coach very briefly on the left after so long. Um, So I think there's got to be something within the football department that needs to be looked at. But Mm -hmm. what that might be, I'm not 100% sure.
0: All right. Well, we'll swing. We'll allow you to swing back to something that makes you put a smile on your face this weekend because we need your moment of the weekend, if you can.
1: Oh, moment of the well. It was a another great round um, footy wise. Obviously, the continuation of Sir Doug Nicholls' round was great. Um, but uh, in terms of a single moment, I think. Well, I don't want to go biased here, so I won't go biased. <laughs> I could very well very well come with an S in a moment and say the return of Harry Jones, which was fantastic, uh, and put a smile on all... Yep, you got it in there anyway. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, I, I want to say Collingwood-Carlton. 80,000 yeah. at the G again for this great rivalry. Just the game as a whole, I think we haven't had these two teams be this competitive coming into what is one of the most traditional rivalries in the AFL um in, in so long. So to see these two teams, Carlton pushing for a top four spot, Collingwood trying to crack into the top eight, going at it with everything they had and the ups and downs of the game, the final quarter, the final minute, um, which was just absolute pandemonium and made me very glad I don't support either one of these teams <laughs> because my heart would have been out of my awesome. chest yep. in that last minute. Uh I'm sure every Collingwood fan is absolutely worshipping the ground that Darcy Moore walks on at the moment. But just the game as a whole, I think it's great to see such huge crowds of the footy, um, you know, a little bit of, of normal footy back and um, just the the crowds at the MCG is something so unique to to our sport. So just that made it really the, the best moment of the week for That's
0: me. Great one. Alex, Alex Catalano joining us from the Inner Sanctum. Alex, thanks so much for sharing your moment of the week and everything AFLW and a little bit of Essendon chat as well. It's been great to chat to you. We'll chat again soon, hey?
1: Thank you, Jen. And, yeah, thank you for bringing that on me as well. Any chance to talk about the bombers?
0: (laughs) I thought he would enjoy that. Now we've got Alex's moment of the weekend. We've had plenty of yours already. Keep them coming through. one 736 736 or on the text line 0433 98 1116. Let's talk again soon.